All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome uh, to another episode of Inside Curling. And uh, I bet you're relieved that when you flip it on, that I'm still here. <laughs> everybody is relieved. Thank you, Warren. That's, uh, of course, our one and only World Curling Hall of Famer, Warren Hansen, And the other one and only, the bear, Kevin Martin, our World Curling Hall of Famer. And uh, fresh off the first event in Niagara Falls. Uh, so we got a sh- we got a show to do, man. we got lots going on. We want to thank all of our sponsors uh, who are with us each and every week. Jackpot City, who brings you what's happening around the curling world. Coyote Tractor, the sponsor of Hot Rock Topics. Goldline, who brings you in the house. Oh, yeah, we have a guest. As usual, Kevin, you are, you are the best guest wrangler in the world. There's no doubt about it. I wish I had you all the years I did the radio show. You got Joel Returnez is coming on, of course, who beat Botcher in the final uh, this week in uh, Niagara Falls at the Hearing Life Tour Challenge. Well done, Joel. Uh, We're going to talk to him. Also, what's happening around the curling world? Kev, you're going to give us a wrap-up. We're going to do both tiers. It was a Tier 1, Tier 2 event. They were playing beside each other the whole week. Uh, The next big event on the calendar is the Pan-Continental Championship being played in Kelowna starting on the 29th of October. You're going to be able to explain all of that to me. <laughs> what what this means in terms of points and ranking and everything. Uh, so we'll get into that. Hot Rock Topics. On last week's show, we discussed the issue of attendance at most events. Uh, it's been in a decline. And when I tuned in, it, you know, I thought you said at one point, Kevin, it might have been sold out. But it sure looked like no one was in the stands. So... Uh, we've received a lot of emails wondering about that um, and on social media postings from people saying, what's going on? Uh, how can it be fixed? Well, Warren won't have anything to say. Okay, about that. <laughs> okay, what's happening around the curling world? Brought to you by Jackpot City, the first Grand Slam of the season. The Hearing Life Tour Challenge is in the books. Uh, we did some picks. I got a feeling I did shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the World Mixed Curling Championships ended in Aberdeen, Scotland. Let's find out how we did and everybody else. The next big event is the Pan-Continental Championship being held in Kelowna starting on the 29th of October. I need to know what this means because I don't in terms of points and rankings and all that jazz. So uh, you guys are going to bring us up to speed on that. Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote. Last week's show, we discussed the issue of attendance at most events that has been in decline uh, for a long time now. We've received more emails and a bunch of social media posts asking, why is this happening, man? Where's all the people from the old days, Warren? From the old days. What are you hearing? Brought to you by Hearing Life. Here's what we're hearing. The fans are curious about seeing split time and hog-to-hog time now appearing on the screen, Kevin, at the Grand Slam Games. We're going to talk about that. I, I think I know hog-to-hog line time. Uh, not sure about split time. So you're going to fill us in, Kev, what all this data means, okay? As Warren says, is this like Moneyball now? Okay, we're going to all these analytics. <laughs> I hope not, okay? <laughs> Kev, you'll find this hard to believe, but I was not a not very strong in analytics, okay? <laughs> no kidding. I find that shocking. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Hey, someone emailed me. You were making fun of me. Okay, you made fun of me during the during the broadcast. Eh? What happened? I missed it. Were you teasing me on the broadcast? All press is good press, Kev. All press is good press. Absolutely. Very good. Okay, what's happening around the curling world? Brought to you by Jackpot City. Jackpot City, 
Casino games perfectly made for you. Before we get started, Warren, a couple of corrections on things we aired last week. What was that? Well, I guess we have to offer an apology to Christoph Perry from over in the Czech Republic because we answered a number of questions that we thought came from him, but they didn't. <laughs> I've already communicated with Christoph, and I've answered the question he had asked us, but uh, everything's cool with him. But what happened, the email I received, the heading and the body of the emails were mixed up, and the email that actually read the answers to the questions from was from Trevor Iso. And his title was Observations from a Longtime Fan. So, Trevor, we answered a lot of your questions last week. Hope you heard them okay. But uh, we apologize to Christoph for mentioning they were his questions when they weren't. <laughs> yeah. well, now, these things okay. happen, Warren. These <laughs> things mean, happen. Believe me. Also, well, at least we answered, we answered the questions truthfully. We, so that, we that's did. a good thing. Yep. Yep. And also in discussion with Rachel Holman, I suggested the mixed doubles trials were going to be held in April of 2025 for the next Olympics. And it, Rachel was actually correct. The trials are going to be held in late December of 2024. So they are actually going to be 14 months almost ahead of the Olympics, which is an interesting decision. So two corrections. Uh, don't worry about that, boys. Uh, I do get emails about the show. Uh, if I had to make corrections every single show, Warren, of, of stuff I said, okay. I know. <laughs> it would take another <laughs> you don't have to remind me. It would take another 20 minutes. <laughs> here's what I do. Here's what happens, Kev. This is what I do. Seriously, they'll go, I don't know who made this great point on the show, but uh, I agree. And I go, well, that would be me. Okay, if it's, if it's if they disagree, I go, oh, that's Hanson. Uh, thanks, boys, and uh, we apologize for that. So let's get started. Uh, what's happening around the curling world? We got our victors. Ah, I don't think I did very well. Uh, Jennifer Jones, well done, is the w winner on the women's side, and Joel Retornez is the winner on the men's side. Uh, Kev, you were there all week, your first event. Did you get the, the get the rust off, Kev? You're all set to go for another year? Yeah, knocked the rust off. That's right. But hey, uh, we actually, I had a couple of uh, emails I saw. Uh, emails or Facebook messages or something about the crowd. So I, yeah, I just wanted to, I phoned Christy and just uh, to get the numbers and everything because Friday night and Saturday um, were really good. Like, and she agreed. Uh, I just want to make sure I was right on that. But what the building was like, that's what I should probably talk about, is it had a railing around the entire top of the building. And you had high seats and or standing room, depending on where you were in the building. And near the pub was, well, that's where everybody was. There was a, a bar up top that you could buy uh, beer and wine and all that kind of stuff. And actually the railing had a kind of a, like a eight or 10 inch shelf. So that's where everybody, kind of like Camrose, if anybody's played uh, or hockey or curling in, in Camrose, Alberta, that arena, same thing. Um, you go to a game there, a hockey game or a curling game, nobody's in the seats, but they're having a heck of a good time in the concourse because that's where all the uh, the fun's being had. So Makes sense. And then it was funny. So Warren on Monday morning, because he, he thought the same thing as some of the people that gave the messages that Friday night, Saturday didn't look like many people. But Warren is funny. Warren calls me, says, Kevin, it didn't seem like many people. When a really good shot was made, it was like, whoa, there's all this noise. Boom. Because, of course, the people were there in the building, just not. In the seats, they're all having beer and, right. and wine in the concourse. So anyway, anyway, really good crowd on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I just wanted I phone Christy, who is the manager of the Slams. She just said there's an exceptional amount of volunteers, almost 200 volunteers. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, huge buy-in from the Niagara area between uh, 
City of Niagara, Niagara Parks, uh, Niagara Tourism, OLG, and and she said many, many more. Uh, ticket sales were great, but people were standing around, the sponsors, booths, and all having fun drinking uh, beer and stuff. So anyway, and then they did do an Opry Curl, which was uh, out in the parking lot, actually, a tent. Mm-hmm. And she said that a lot of people didn't go into the building ever. They just watched the big screens playing games and having fun in the in the tent. So it was a really, really well done event. It was un- a little bit different than most of the events have been done, but fantastic. And the games on Sunday were great. Jennifer Jones taking on Caitlin Laws. You can't dream of a better final. They were teammates for so long. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, the game came down to uh, the second end. Caitlin, I thought she would just lob it to the button. She had her draw weight all weekend. Yeah. If she throws it button back four, top four even, um, Jennifer would just have to take one. But she tried to play a hit and roll off the side one and ended up jamming it and giving Jennifer three. And that really cost her the game, I think, was that one call. Yeah, either the call or, of course, if you make the hit and roll. But, of course, hit and rolls are the toughest shot in curling. So I thought with her draw weight being so perfect all week, she would just lob it on the button and, here, Jennifer, take your point, mm-hmm. and it'll be tied up. She'd have hammer in three. And then gave up a steal in three as well, and then it was four to one, and that was you know kind of it. Jennifer's team played great, so congratulations to uh, Jennifer Jones and the team. That was the first time, Jimmy, this year that their team had qualified for the playoffs. They came in second place at the Savile, mm-hmm. a shootout, but Chelsea Carey was skipping the team. Jennifer wasn't there. Oh. So Jennifer with the team, this is the first time they qualified for the playoffs, and when they did, they did it right. And then on the Tier 2 side on the women's, uh, no big shocker, Unjun Kim, currently ranked in the top 10. She didn't get in, though, because she wasn't ranked at the time they decide. But she uh, ended up beating uh, Madeline DuPont out of Denmark in the final in a good game, 7-4. But definitely the class of the field was Unjun Kim and, and uh, in the uh, Tier 2 side. Men's final was an absolute beauty between uh, Team Botcher, ranked number one in the world, Retornaz going into the game, ranked number three in the world. And it was just a tremendous game. It came down to the seventh end. And actually, Mark Kennedy had a terrific opportunity to come top button to lie two, probably get two or three if he makes it and likely wins the game, but came back buttonhole. And I'm not sure if it was Joel Retornaz on his first or if it was Amos Mazoner on his last, but locked a perfect freeze, an absolute perfect freeze, and stole one in seven, and that was kind of the game. Um, yeah. Brendan did get a deuce, did, did get a deuce coming home, but then uh, Joel made a beautiful uh, double, beautiful double on his last to win. And then on the uh, big, kind of big news, I think, on the Tier 2 side, young Daniel Casper out of the U.S., 22-year-old, just a really good team, Luke Violet throwing third. Mm-hmm. Just a really strong young kids beating uh, Morizumi, who's uh, he's a 38 year old vet out of Japan, has been to Worlds a bunch and Olympics and so on mm-hmm. out of Japan and beat them in the final. But big congratulations to Daniel Casper and their team. That's a really big stepping uh, stone for a bunch of kids that are that young. They're just at a junior, Jimmy, for goodness right, sakes. Right. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. That team is going to be uh, one to watch for the future. If I was. Schuster and Drupkin, I would be a little concerned coming up to the Olympics that those guys are going to give them more than they can handle. I want to ask you a question, Kevin. So in the final game, Rotanas and Botcher, were you surprised that Joel played the double versus drawing the forefoot? Well, he owned the button the entire game. Right. Like he didn't he never missed the button. Yep. I uh, just it was he was amazing. 
But it's funny, you know, he went down the ice so darn quick to throw that double. <laughs> and actually, Robbie Doherty, uh, the MC, uh, and uh, and the person who did the interviews after the game, asked him that exact question. It was a great question Robbie asked. That, you know, you're drawing so well all game. Why didn't you draw the button? Why did you make the double? He said, well, I'd, I'd make the double at least 9 out of 10, yep. if not higher. So, so he threw the double. He made it easy right on the nose and made the double for fun. But you're right. Like he hadn't even been close to missing a draw all game. He threw a, he had to make a perfect freeze in eight or, or Botcher wins. And he locked it right on so that uh, Botcher had to make a tap for two. So yeah, I was surprised except he made it look very, very easy. So yeah, huge confidence to do that. But I mean, the other factor, I think you got away. There's probably fewer things can happen to that devil if you're that confident of it than, than there can to the draw. I mean, the draw can pick. And you can imagine with their sweeping, you've got Majaner and and uh, and Armon sweeping. Well, my goodness, that's a, that's a crazy sweeping pair to keep the rock on line. You know, they can keep it straight. They can have it curl a bit. Like, So he's probably got on that double uh, two, three inches of error, you know what I mean, built into that shot just because of the strength of their sweepers. It's... Uh, there's something to watch. They've got to be kind of, I know they won't, they'll never admit it, but they've got to be sort of excited in the back of their mind about the Olympics yep. going forward. They've got to be, because they, they have a legit shot at being at the top of that podium in the men's, in the mixed doubles. And Stefania Constantini wouldn't be a shocker to see her on the podium either. She's an amazing player too. So yeah. it's going to be fun next couple of years watching the uh, Italians um, uh, get ready for, for their home Olympics. Looking at the Italian team, I can't help but look back to where they've come from. Uh, Italy first came to the World Championship in 1973. And when I look at Morsano, I uh, have memories back to the big guy that used to skip the Italian teams in the early days, Renato Gazzi. And uh, I actually played against Renato Gazzi in 1974. And he was he was probably bigger than Morsano. He was a really tall guy, and the, and the third was a little wee guy. And they argued all the time, and they had a bottle of grape going and used it each end of the sheet, and they were quite entertaining. During the first three years that Italy was in the championship, they only won one game. But, uh, wow, they have, uh, they've come a long way since then, and uh, it's fabulous as to what they've done in this short period of time. So one more time, I think we proved you can never count Jennifer Jones out. Uh, fabulous performance by the Jones team. Fabulous performance by the women's teams overall. Three Canadian teams made the final eight. Besides Jones, of course, Einerson and Laws. Over on the men's side, things went pretty good as well. Four teams, Canadian, made the last eight. Carlers, Botcher, Gushu, and Dunstan. And of course, that's a, that's a good side for Canada. On the television side of things, I think it was great that Sportsnet did show the last rock draw to the button in the round-robin games because of its importance in the, the final playoff situation and certainly its importance in every game. So I think that was a really good decision by Sportsnet, and uh, I think the fact that that's the type of thing that they're looking at doing ongoing is is very good. All right, let's do the picks, Warren. What happened? Okay, so as you may recall, if you were listening last weekend, we all picked teams for the finals of both the men's and women's competition. So let's take a look at Kevin first. So on the women's side, he picked Laws Hasselberg. Laws, of course, made the final, didn't win. One point for Kevin. Kevin picked in the men. Dunstone and Gushu to be in the final. Uh-uh. How'd I do? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Should go back into that closet you did your picks from. We'll give Kevin for laws being in the final. That's a two-pointer. And then we get to Jim. So Jim picked Kim and Hasselborg on the women's side. Nope. 
nothing there. But he also picked Butcher and Adin. So Butcher made the final one point for Jim. Why not and two points? <laughs> not I'll just one. get two points. I don't get two points. <laughs> okay, two points. Thank you. <laughs> Whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> now we go to Warren. <laughs> this, bit, this bit's getting worse and worse all the time. <laughs> Who didn't do too good with uh, the women, Einerson and Terenzoni, neither one made it. Boo-hoo. He picked Carruthers and Rotanos. Nice. So, I guess we're... You're the champ. Who'd you pick to win? Rotanos. Oh, you did, eh? Yeah. Bastard. All right. So? (laughs) (laughs) So? Yeah, it's the truth. (laughs) That's hard to believe. That's event one out of the way, Jim. All right. On to the next one. That may be Warren's first time winning, Jim. Yeah, exactly. We'll give you the win. Okay, we'll give you the win. Okay, careful, old man. I'm coming after you again next week. I'm going to concentrate. Now that I know Jennifer did so well in the semis, okay? Uh, very good. Warren, we got to bring everyone up to date on the uh, World Mixed Curling Champion, four-person curling, uh, that was taking place in Scotland. All right, so we gave you an update last Friday on that, the fact that Canada, Sweden, Norway, and Spain, of all countries, had made the semis. In the one semifinal, Sweden defeated Canada's Felix Asselin ah. seven to four, and the other semi, Spain defeated Norway four to three. So Spain got into the gold medal game, but they didn't do too well. They lost to Sweden's No Johan Nygren by a score of eight to two, mm. but they were in the final. They got the silver medal in the bronze medal game. Felix Asselin defeated Norway's Stefan Wallstad. Score there, tight game, 4-3 in favor of Canada. So Canada takes home the bronze medal. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to Felix. Third, Laurie St. George. Second, Emil Aslan. And lead, Emily Riley, along with coach Michael St. George. Okay, next on the agenda, the Pan-Continental Championship, which starts in Kelowna. Warren, I don't know what this means. I don't know who gets points. I don't know how the ranking works. I don't know what this is. But I've heard of it before. Explain, Warren. Well, it's only the second year for this event, so it's, it's a newie. It's one of the two ways that we determine the teams and men's and women's that are going to play in the world championships each year. So the European championships in a few weeks determine seven spot. Pan-Continental determines five. There is a 13th spot determined where the host country is. So this year, the men's worlds is in Europe. So the 13th team will come from the European championship. The world women's is in Canada. So the 13th team will come from the Pan-Continental. And the Pan-Continental involves pretty much every curling nation in the world that's interested outside of Europe. So, in Section A, and this will be the one that determines the five teams for the men's worlds next year in Switzerland, Australia, Canada, Chinese Taipei, which is Taiwan, Guyana, Japan, Korea, New Zealand, and the USA. Skip names, Corey Dropkins representing USA, familiar guy from Mixed doubles, Dean Hewitt from Australia, and Canada, of course, will be represented by Brad Gushu. Who should qualify? I think Canada, USA, Japan, probably you can pretty much count on that one, which will probably leave the final spot in the men's side between, I would think, Australia and New Zealand, but we'll have to wait and see. On the women's side, Australia, Canada, Chinese Taipei, Japan, Korea, Mexico, New Zealand, and the USA. Candice Carey-Anderson is going to be representing this country, Japan, Suzuki Fujisawa, and Korea, Anjun Gim, and USA, Tabitha Peterson. So I would think Japan, Korea, USA, Canada will grab four spots. 
And of course, there'll be six qualified because the Women's Worlds is in Canada. That means Canada already has a spot. So I'd have to think the final two spots again will probably go to Australia and New Zealand. But we'll have to wait and see how that shakes down. And then in the B division, now listen to these ones, interesting countries. This is awesome. I love this. Interesting countries, Brazil, China, Hong Kong, India, Kenya, Mexico, Philippines, and Saudi Arabia. And on the women's side, Brazil, China, Hong Kong, Jamaica, Kenya, and Philippines. Jamaica. Jamaica. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> when they're not bobsledding. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so with the way this whole thing works, uh, I think it's two teams go up and two go down. So next year in the Pan Continental, two of the B winners will go to A, and the two lowest teams in the A will drop to B. The other interesting team in here is China. Now, you may remember last year, China did not show up for the uh, Pan Continental Cup. That means they got relegated down to the B side. So you can be pretty sure that China will be one of the teams coming through there, but they will not be in the men's or women's world championships this year because of their missing last year. So there you go. Time to talk uh, analytics. Time for you guys to talk analytics. It's Hot Rocks. Brought to you by Coyote Tractor, Hot Rock Topics. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, ZTRs, and compact construction equipment to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. Seems like data and analytics are becoming more of a part of everyday sport and all sports ever since the movie Moneyball. This past weekend, split times and hog-to-hog running times were flashed up on the screen. After every shot, but not all fans are familiar with what this means. Hmm, there's another guy who's not familiar with it. Too. <laughs> there were some postings and emails asking, what is a split time? And while you're at it, Warren, what's a hog dog time to? Okay. Uh, go ahead, Warren. You're, you're kind of a fan of analytics, Warren, I think. I picked up a book last summer called Game of Edges is the main title, and it's the analytics revolution and the future of professional sports. And most of us remember the movie Moneyball. And Billy Bean introduced analytics to baseball, and he turned a limited-budget Oakland A's team into a winner through the use of analytics. And as a result of that, I was surprised by reading this book as to what is really going on. Someone told me, and don't quote me, I may be wrong, but in every major league game now, there is a camera on every player for the entire game. And that's how they build a book on every player in the league. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So in major major sports teams and everything, and all franchises are engaged in varying forms of utilizing analytics. Everyone from the owners to the marketing staff are using the information, the data, to try and get an edge. And it's being used in a lot of the marketing of these events as well, not just in the assessment of players. I think curling needs to expand its involvement in data. I know right now there is a fair amount being done on athletes. It's to some degree by individual countries, a little bit secretive. But I think this whole thing needs to be expanded dramatically. I think uh, determine exactly what is happening with sweeping. Uh, and determining how to make it more effective, um, how much can carving and the things they're doing really, really do in fact of being effective. We, we, we assume things, players assume things, but there's a lot of stuff we don't know yet. Things as well like the release and the path of the rock. This weekend, as I mentioned, you mentioned, Jim, Sportsnet did flash on the screen the split time and the hog-to-hog time at every rock thrown. 
For people who have been around a competitive game for a long time, they know exactly what all this means, but I find it interesting of notes we got and postings I saw on Facebook of people wondering what really does all this mean, in particular the term split time, which the commentators were using. So I'll flip it to Kevin, and he can maybe explain split time, exactly what it is, how is it used, and the same thing with the hog-to-hog measurement. How is it used? Uh, what is normal? What isn't? And uh, how do the players uh, use all this information? This is always a fun thing when I, when I do my academies all over the place, is uh, you know, teaching the timing of rocks and why you do it and how does it work. So hog to hog is not individual. It is just the time it takes from the rock to go from one hog to the next and say stop on the button. That's your draw weight hog to hog time. This weekend, it was around... 14.7, 14.8 seconds. The higher the number, the keener the ice because the rock is going slower. It takes longer to get there because you don't have to throw it as hard because the ice is keener. So, and a, no, a lower number means the ice is heavier. Okay, that's hog to hog and you can tie anybody's rock and that'll just be the same for everybody. Now, a split time is the back line. So when you first come out of the hack, you click the stopwatch when that rock hits the back line and then you click, click it again at the hog line, okay? And that's going to be around four seconds total. Now, say Kevin Cooey, he's going to be, he comes out of the hack really slow. So he's like 4.2 seconds, something like that. And he is going to be very close to the same every single time. When we were playing in the 2010 Olympics, ice was beautiful, very keen. Um, my split, because I, have a, I always wore a really slow slider, always uh, I ruddered with my back foot. So I came out of the hack way faster than somebody like Kevin Cooey. My split at the Olympics was 3.62. That was right on the button. That's a big difference, but it's very much personal, but it's very exacting personally. So you'll time your own team that um, initial split, and then the other team you'll go hog to hog. There would be no reason to ever time your opposing team's initial split because it's personal, and you don't know what their regular time is. So you're not going to get information out of that. So that's kind of how it works. The initial split is personal. It can really help withdraw weight. One person, one of your sweepers will use their eye. The other person will use a clock, a stopwatch. And then that is going to give you the best two pieces of information to give you an initial analysis of the speed of the stone. Are you, are you telling me, Kev, though, if you're throwing, if you're trying to throw a rock and freeze it, okay, Yes. Uh, okay. You're, you're coming out of the hack at 3.6 from, from hack to hog. That's right on the T-line. Right yep, on the T-line. That's my time. Right on the that will line. be your same time if you're throwing huge takeout weight? No, no, no that's draw. I, I'd be coming out way faster. Yeah, okay. All right. So, even, yeah. if, so say, the, even if I'm throwing back line weight, Jimmy, yeah. instead of 3.62, I'm going to be more like 3.4. Okay, 3. so that's why you have right? that measurement. Yeah, that's yeah, right. To say, okay, so I, you know that draw weight. Gotcha. Yeah, you okay. need to make that. Uh, Joel Retornas had to make that beautiful freeze in the eighth, or he loses the game. Well, I'm sure one of the guys timed his initial split. The other guy looked with their eye, and they went, "Ooh, this is really close." Oh, okay, <laughs> it was a darn good throw. But that's but that's the type of information you're trying to get. Yep, got it. So who in the team does the timing? Explain that one. Well, in on our team, Ben tended to use uh, a lot of timing. Mark used his eye. Um, on the botcher team, I do not know how they're doing it now. Generally, the person closest to the rock sweeping would not. They'd use their eye 
And then the other person, the one further from the rock, will time because the one closest to the rock wants to clean right away. You want to have a brush down cleaning the path. And so that person's kind of busy cleaning, so the other person will be the, the, the timer. Is that what you meant, Warren? Yes, yeah. There we go. Uh, very good. There we go. A little education. A little hog to hog. <laughs> little little hack to hog. Split times. I got it. Well, we told you we had a guest, uh, not just any guest. You're going to get the gold medal for being a wrangler, okay, for wrangling up our best guest. <laughs> and the reason I use wrangler is uh, when we talked to our uh, most recent winner of the Hearing Life uh, Tour Challenge, the Grand Slam, his second victory, he's, in, he's into horses, okay? So he'll know, he'll know what wrangling means. Uh, we want to welcome to the program. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Joel return as Team Italy knocks everybody out in the Grand Slam. How's it going, Joel? I'm I'm looking at your uh, hotel. It looks like you're in a hotel room, Joel. I thought maybe there'd be a bunch of empty wine bottles and beer everywhere. People <laughs> flopped on the floor. You know, like you had a had a two day party or something. What's going on? Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you all every time. So, no, oh, well, it's just an empty hotel room. Nothing fancy behind me. So, and I. I would have cleaned up the room before talking to you. Yeah, okay. Did you guys get a chance to celebrate? What'd you What'd you do after the big victory? Yeah, we we had a good night out in uh, Niagara Falls. Uh, the ladies team joined us. We, we had a good celebration with the with the Italian squad. It was nice. Uh, location was great, so it was good for for fun. We had a nice dinner with with everybody and had a couple of drinks too. And then the day after, we we had a long a long drive to Sault Ste. Marie, so we didn't go too wild on that evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right back at it up in the Sioux doing that. Uh, tell me this, Joel. You're uh, one of, one of the coolest things when you wake up after winning is you may be uh, may may not, but you may be the number one curler in the world now. Uh, you, I think you were number three, Kevin, I was telling me going in and then you win this slam. It's a whole whack of points. Uh, did, did you look up where you are now? Have, have you reached number one? No, we, we're ranked number two where we've got number one in our target. Yeah, good. That's, that's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. You know, it's, I mean, being number two, number three, top teams in the world, uh, it's already something big for us. Like. We know that that being there is is, is huge, and uh, we just need to keep keep going this way and try to to reach the top and uh, win as much as we can. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago, Joel, that um, you know ca- Canada. We we were very proud of owning the sport of curling, as they said years and years ago, uh, and of course that has changed. You're 40 years old, and and I'm curious how a young uh, Italian boy, probably back in the day, wanted to take on the sport of curling in a, in a nation that was not a curling nation uh, back then. Give me a little bit of your history and how you got interested in the game and, and, and what brought you to the game, to the level you're at now. Well, um, I was lucky enough to grow up in a, in a small town in Italy called Cembra. That's my mom's town. And uh, curling has always, always been played there. There are only a few places in Italy where curling is played. And I was lucky enough to grow up in one of those places. So that's why I started curling. 
I tried other sports. I tried uh, many things in life, but uh, curling really got me uh, since the beginning. And I, I was one of the few players and I started traveling a lot. I immediately was part of the national team, the junior national team. And uh, probably some talent helped me to to reach high levels and I was able to, to travel the world and I really enjoyed it. So I kept going, kept going. And it's been a while now since I'm in the curling scene. So I've been here for a while. What was the hook for you? What, what, what got you, you know, into the game and said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. Well, first of all, it's a team sport. I like team sports and, um, I like the fact that, uh, to be successful, you need uh, also other people. It doesn't only depend on you. You need uh, the help of other people. And uh, when you find three other guys with the same uh, goals and the same passion you have and the same dedication, there's nothing better to to, to share the, the the success with other people. I think you must be you must be very proud of how the sport has grown there. Uh, obviously, you would be a you would be a hero in the curling world in Italy for sure. Tell me about how the sport is doing in Italy. Is Does it continue to grow uh, to this day? It is growing. It's not growing as fast as we would like. Uh, we don't have lots of new facilities. And that, that's why also maybe it's difficult to, to grow the sport in our, in our country because some people would love to try curling, but they don't know where to go. So it is slowly growing. I really hope that the 2026 Olympics will give the, the final boost and... Uh, and uh, change the things and hopefully also juniors and kids can get inspired by what we're doing because we we really want to leave a legacy we just don't want to be a team that is there for a few years and then nothing else happening in our country so uh, definitely we hope we can uh, be a, a good example for for the future generations we want to know who your heroes were growing up in curling and you can't say kevin Okay, he gets too much of that. Okay, Kevin, everyone, yeah, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin was my mentor. I, I can't say Kevin, but I have to say Ryan Fry now because he's our new coach. So, <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> I have to, yeah. kind of have to. You know, I mean, uh, I've, I've, I've been around, as I said, for 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 a long time, and I've seen lots of players from the Furby Forest to then the the Howards and. Uh, Gushu, who I defeated in 2006, but was still one uh, one of my favorite players, and he 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 shown how you can be successful and and stay at a high level even when the time goes by. Like I think he's a great example for for consistency. So he's uh, of course someone I'm I'm always aiming to. Right. One of the talks we had earlier in the earlier in the program, we uh, there was a segment about analytics and and hog to hog times and split times and uh you know kevin has said that that the game has changed since since he was in there and there's a reliance on these things now that that it's a it's a real thing that many teams look at uh so the game has changed um talk about that with your team Uh, since you started curling what are the biggest changes you've seen in terms of competing and 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 skills that curlers have had to develop going forward well, I think that uh, sweeping is so important nowadays. Like you can uh, make lots of shots with with sweeping, and I have three great sweepers in my team that make my life much easier. Uh, I just need to to be accurate, not perfect, accurate, and they'll make the shot. So I think sweeping has really changed the the game, and uh, also big weights. 
big weights takeouts like run backs, angle raises, being precise in those kind of shots is is key today. Joel just mentioned sweeping. You got two monster sweepers. Okay, I'm <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised brooms don't just disintegrate to sand when these guys lean on them. Uh, uh, well, in that regard, um, I think there was some testing done. Um, I think they're making a stronger broom for your guys, like for Sebastiano and and for Amos. How did that come about? Because I, I think you guys were the test case. Because obviously, they're so big. Like you know, the the brooms can only handle so much. They're big. They have big hands, so they need uh, thicker, thicker handles. That's what we're we're trying out. We haven't found yet the the, the best handle for them, but uh, our equipment supplier is giving us great material, so we couldn't be happier. And uh, they're trying their best to give the best tools to to our sweepers, and uh, we're we're testing those uh, handles. Of course, they're a bit heavier, so this is also something that we have to take into consideration because it, when you play. Uh, lots of games in in a week for example in the championship europeans or even worlds where there are even more games you have to consider the 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 weight difference in the end of the competition is is uh is uh something that gives extra um extra weight uh in in the arms and so makes it uh more difficult for for the players to to sweep uh but yeah we that's what we're testing and uh we'll we'll find for sure uh the the best product for them yeah, because um, <laughs> the big hands, well, the big guys, just big guys. But how how much trouble were you having with, uh, with it doesn't matter what manufactured product, but with, just with the snapping of the brooms? I know, you know, Carrick had trouble with that. He broke one last year. Uh, Brad Thiessen broke two last year. Um, just because they're just, the, the athletes are getting bigger and stronger and, and more fit. Um, so where do you see that going? I guess I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because that's got to be a concern for your team, especially your team, because you've got the biggest guys in front of you. Yeah, it depends on how big the sweepers are and uh, where they, they hold the, the, the broom and where in, on the handle they hold the broom and uh, also uh, the, the angle they're using the broom because that's, uh, I don't know if that's the proper word, the lever. Not the, yeah, no, that's the right yeah, word. That yeah, the angle of... Changes yeah. and so that there's a certain point where it can be uh, there can be a lot of pressure on the handles and uh, they can they can snap but it doesn't happen often like if you if you use the right hand position the and you put the weight in the in the right spot of, of the broom i don't think it's 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 dangerous that that, that happens very often okay hey i want to talk about ryan fry a little bit you uh, you mentioned that you've got a new coach in ryan fry uh and ryan i've been friends for a very long time um we only had one chance to curl together, though we did it in the Skins game because it was kind of like you pick your own team. So we were pretty excited to actually have a chance to play together. But I guess what does uh, Ryan bring to your team? What's, I guess what's his role? What's his job? Because it's not going to be teaching you guys how to sweep. Have you seen Have you seen Ryan sweep? He's definitely not teaching you anything about sweeping. No, like it, he's an, he's a great addition to the team. I have to say that uh, we have not been working very long with him yet, but uh, we can already see. How, how good he, he is for the team. Uh, basically, he knows what it takes to to get to success. And uh, that's that's the kind of inputs we're looking for. Because he's been there before, he's gone through this, he started uh, when he was young and uh, he, he went all the way. He went all the way to, to gold in the Olympics. 
and uh, we will host the Olympics by, in, in, uh, at home in 2026. So of course that's one of our goals. But really, we're looking for him from him to those small details that we we don't have yet. That's those extra few percent percent points that uh, will will make us a stronger team and uh, and he it's it's working well so far because he's really giving us some some good uh, advices uh joel uh, you know a lot of guys after they win a big event you know kevin has uh, you know pointed out that curling's pretty hard on the body uh and some teams would sort of speckle their schedule you know like like, like they wouldn't go event after event after event uh, you're up in the Sioux right away, uh, playing in a in a fall classic up there. Um, is your team better if they keep curling every week, or do, you know how how do you schedule it? Do you need time off? Talk to me about that. What what your plan is and your strategy with your team? When when we saw that there were two slams close to each other this year, like uh, with only two weeks in in between. We, our thought was, okay, we're going to stay in Canada. We're not going back to Europe. And uh, what do we do in those two weeks? Uh, it's not cheap to travel for us to, to Canada. So we have to take every single opportunity we have to, to play as much as we can against good teams on good ice conditions because that's what we need in order to, to be consistent and then go back home and go back in Europe and, and try to be successful uh, at, the, at the Europeans, for, for instance. So when we decided to stay over, we, we, were looking, we, we looked at, into the, the competitions that were between Niagara Falls and the uh, Pictou County Grand Slam. And uh, the, this new competition in the Sioux was, uh, was something that we really wanted to do because it, it has a strong field and uh, people here in the Sioux are amazing. We got to know them uh, yesterday and, uh, and today. And uh, so we're really looking forward for, for this event. And we... Like no 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 big breaks for us. Uh, as I said, it's not cheap to come here, so we're gonna make every every moment count. You're playing a bunch of Coyote events in a row. You've got the Sioux Curlers. It's presented by Coyote, and then coming up into Pictou County, uh, which is Coyote, the Coyote Masters. You should get a free tractor. They should give you a tractor. Yeah. <laughs> you can drive your the yeah. tractor home. To, <laughs> well, no, to Italy. I mean. Coyote is one of the sponsors. We know the people from Coyote. We met them yesterday too. Uh, but I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank all sponsors supporting our sport because it's it, it really means the world to us. If uh, people can uh, support the sport to uh, and uh, make all the events possible, I think that's that's how our sport can can keep the pace and then grow and keep going in the future. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank all sponsors uh, around the world. For, for being partners of the curling family. Uh, so, Joel, um, I saw on, on Stefania at the event and you, um, Suzuki, on your, on your uniforms. Is that um, a national sponsor? Is that an Olympic sponsor for you guys? How does it work? Um, I'd I love to know because it's, it's pretty standout-ish and it's right on your chest, of course. Yeah, Suzuki is one of the uh, national sponsors. So the Suzuki and the uh, Dolomite Bellunese, for example, they, they sponsor the Italian Curling Federation. And, of course, we, we get to, to wear those logos when we, when we play uh, around the world. And uh, it's, it's good to, to be supported by companies back home. And, uh, yeah, it's good to have their, their support. Well, that's a big deal when it comes to uh, to Italy, I think, because curling is at at being at the top of the world. <laughs> in curling in Italy is fairly new, 
in just the last few years and to have that corporate support it's got to be huge because you've got your team at the very top of the game mixed doubles gold medal still in, in uh, Stefania's uh, and, and Amos's pocket but then Constantini's team they're really good now uh, they've really spiked up the world. So, like, you've got three disciplines all near the top of the world. Uh, that's pretty exciting for your sponsors, I would I would assume. Yes, it is. And uh, we have to thank our uh, National Federation, National Association, for for investing on us because they, they believe in the project. They they saw the first results with the, uh, the gold medal in, in the mixed doubles and our few medals in the Europeans and Worlds and uh, the ladies coming up uh, quickly. So of course uh, this cannot be possible without uh, the the national federation uh, and uh, and the sponsors uh, because we're we're traveling a lot for for example in Canada we'll be here in Canada four or five times during the season and we're not playing many bounce bills uh, back in, in Europe because um, it, it's difficult with the slams travel back and forth so we said it's better to to stay in Canada for for longer periods. But this would not be possible without the sponsorships and uh, and the national federation. So we are really grateful for that. How do you, uh, if you have any downtime at all, <laughs> how how are you spending your downtime? I was I was reading this morning that you raise quarter horses. Uh, I mentioned that at the top of the interview. Are you are you still involved in that? Uh, I'm not anymore. Okay. I'm not unfortunately. Like that's too demanding uh, time wise. It's it's impossible and uh i have a wife to take care of so that's my downtime yeah uh, yeah that's not the, the 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 normal priority would you would give to family but when you have something going on like we have and uh we have some some goals we want to achieve and uh that's also big support family gives us big support and um, by letting us go basically right. because we're we're far from home for for so long, uh, like for example, now we're away from home for five consecutive weeks. Oh yeah, we get okay. back home uh, mid-November. We stay home three days, and then we fly to Scotland for the Europeans. So that's a lot of time away from home, and uh, the support we, we we get from our families is uh, means the world to us. So you don't have any downtime. It sounds like. <laughs> do you ever, three days. Do you ever watch Netflix or something, man? <laughs> what, 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 what? You guys need a break. Holy God. No, that, yeah, it's it's difficult, but that's what uh, you need to do if you want to be successful. You have to invest time, money, and uh, everything you have in in what you're doing. And uh, we believe this is the the, the key to success. And, uh, you live in Switzerland. What what brought you to Switzerland? Um, well, I was born in Switzerland. My dad is Swiss. My mom is Italian, so it's more like going back to Switzerland. Okay. Even though I spent most of my life my life in Italy, I'm now back in Switzerland, but in the Italian part now, close to close to the Italian border. You're on the road for five weeks. Uh, have you curled yet in the Sioux? Have you have have they started yet? We've practiced yesterday and today. We had two good practice sessions, and we're gonna be back on ice in a couple of hours. Who's the who? Who's there? Who who do you got to try and beat? Um, it's uh, there's Team Dunstone here, Karaters, uh, one team from Asia, and uh, I don't remember who else is here. A few young teams, few young teams. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll have you know, uh, when we do the show Inside Curling, we do picks, and I picked you to win the Hearing Life. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, huh? True. 
Yeah, true I'm story. Good. I'm really congratulations. You're you're obviously the team to watch uh, going forward, and uh, you you it's fantastic what's happening with curling over there and what and and what you're doing. And uh, we'll be watching you all year. Uh, good luck in the Sioux, and then you're down to uh, Picto uh, in the Maritimes to to play another event. And uh, all all the best, Joel. Yep. Thank you very much for having me. Anytime you want to talk to me, I'm available. Appreciate it, Joel. Thank you very much, Joel. Thank you. See you later. Congratulations. Bye now. What are you hearing? Brought to you by Hearing Life. If vision places the world in front of us, Hearing places us at its center. Hearing Life invites you to love your ears with a free hearing test. No referral needed. Visit hearinglife.ca to book your free hearing test today. Last week, we discussed the factor of attendance that seems to be down at curling events and what might be the reason. We talked a little bit about the solution might be, but uh, this week we had more correspondence from fans asking how to get more fans in the building. So we look at it again in a little more detail. Before we get to Warren, Kev, you said off the top of the show, uh, there were a couple of things there that you haven't seen in a while that you thought were fantastic ideas. Although it appeared empty, a lot of people were doing other things than, than watching curling. Well, they were watching, but just from up above. Okay. Um, so actually, Sean, it was my, uh, Sean is really good at, at, I guess, figuring out buildings. I talked to Christy about it today, actually, uh, the manager of the slams. Um, there's just all these people up top. <laughs> but that, the cameras don't see right. that. They don't, they don't see them. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, well, where's all the people? Until somebody makes a good shot and then roar. Well, we're, we're, who next making all the noise? But, um, and that was, yeah, Friday, Saturday. So the, in curling, you want to be a little higher. Like you don't want to be right, right on the ice level because you can't see good mm-hmm. enough. So it was kind of perfect seating around the top of the railing, around the building. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, of course, in the one corner where all the booze was. Right. Um, but... But that's where, you know, it was just kind of a fun atmosphere up right. there. We could probably sell, like, premier seating, actually, around that railing. They should be spots sold in at the Edmund Oiler Games, the luge seating. Right, right, right. And because uh, it's so perfect. The half-moon seats there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know yeah, what I mean, I right? Uh, where, yeah, where Bruce and Kathy have their seats up yep. there. And uh, anyway, um, but that's, yeah, that's kind of where... I kind of think it should maybe go in that building, but uh, anyway. So, so, Warren, all that being said... So we, it was a bit of an optical illusion this weekend <laughs> that there there were lots of ticket sales. But you say, Warren, still that the attendance is down overall. Yeah, w- without question. I mean, I first identified that this being a problem probably about 12 years ago and suggested then that I thought a lot of things had to be adjusted. And this is with big events like the Briar and the Olympic trials to maintain the kind of strength that we'd had probably around 2005, 2006 in that area there when we were feeling... 18,000 seat buildings. As Kevin may recall, he played in the first game, our first event we ever did that way, the 97 Briar. So that was steady declining. I mean, the Grand Slam is still a pretty new property and it's been growing with time, but I mean, certainly uh, we wouldn't be trying to fill an 18,000 seat building today with that event as it stands, but I believe moving forward, doing the right things, uh, it, it it could happen that we could fill an 18,000 seat building. So I think you know, in talking to to Rod Paulson, who him and I worked on this stuff a long time, one of the things we thought that really needs to be done is it, it's a, an issue. I think it's an, an age 
uh, factor of time is moving along. And a lot of the people that were our fans for many years, particularly in probably the area of 1995 to 2010, they're, they're too old to participate any longer. And we're not replacing them with younger people, I think, to the degree we need to. And maybe there's need for a very detailed study where we have interviews done with a number of people in that young millennial Gen Z age to find out what would excite you to attend a, a curling event, uh, maybe for a day or maybe just for one game. What what would be interesting that could happen and maybe give them some options of A, B, C, D, pick one of the above, or what do you think? I think you've got to look at doing some things that are against the norm, that are right out of the box. And they're going back to the book Game of Edges, I, I found an interesting thing in there, the Boston Red, Red Sox, who initiated a lot of... Uh, I think, original ideas. I found it quite interesting at one game, unannounced, they had the players all out in front of the stadium greeting the fans as they came in. So what you're creating is you, you, you're you going to go there because you know something is going to happen that's a little different, but you don't know what it is until you get there. So I think that element of surprise and its, and its own factor is a good thing. So I think a whole bunch of out-of-the-box things. Now, maybe back in the old days, the CBC track camera, we used to put television monitors down at ice level about every 20 feet. We have to come up with a new way. And it's not just curling. I think all these sports, the, the big sports today, NFL, NFL, NHL, the only one that probably has an average audience under 50 is basketball. And if everybody doesn't start to adjust to what's going on here, 10 years from now, I'm not sure how many fans there's going to be for a lot of these sports. Fun in the building is absolutely needed. I love the idea of having the the, uh, the Red Sox were yeah. all in front of the building <laughs> saying hi to everybody. Right. What a great idea. Right. That's awesome. Can you imagine going to a, a golf event? Because I'm, I'm a big golf fan. And John Rom's out front. Hi. Right. <laughs> Welcome. Are, are you kidding me? Right. Nice to meet you. Yeah. You know, that'd be amazing. Uh, so that's a great idea. Like, you know, can you imagine a curling fan walking up and Nicodine says hi to you? Like, welcomed you in the building? Are you, ki- are you kidding? <laughs> Warren, you did that up close and personal. So I don't think that's an issue because curling curling has done it way better than anybody. They used to come into the patch, Kev, between games and hang out with friends, you know? So cur- curlers are good at it. They, they are. Yeah. They are. But but it's not really the environment now, you know what I mean? Like, because they're busy. They, they come in and, they, you know, it's a, the, the way it works with the athletes is so different now. Um but that's a wonderful idea. But yeah, but anyway, fun and fun, tighten up the events, and uh, and yeah, um, the buildings loud and proud. That'd be good. I know it would drive my dad crazy if the buildings were loud. <laughs> yeah, so, so, exactly. So as you, I mean, remember back in the days of the Briar, we used to play. We we're playing music between ends. Jim, you can remember this. And how many complaints we get? Oh, you're letting loud music. We don't want to hear that. Turn, turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> I got in trouble from you, Warren, when I did the, uh, I was doing the audience thing, you know, uh, between between ends or something. <laughs> and I ended up making a kid cry. Uh, Ford gave me a jacket, Warren, to give away, okay? Really nice jacket. And so I picked this kid, you know, and I said, okay, if you're going to win this jacket, you know, he just lit up like a tree. You know, I said, uh, who's the best curler in the world? Is it A, so-and-so? B, or I said, or is it C? Let's see if you know what it is. And the kid said, C. I said, no, it was A. (laughs) 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 And I walked away, and the kid's father was, what are you, the devil? You know. Of course, we gave the kid the jacket. But uh, 
Well, I agree. And I, of course, it's you're a man after my own heart with fu- fun in the building, you know. Um, Warren, is there any thought? Uh, the cream rises to the top in curling. You know, we do our picks each week. And, and you've got, very rarely do you have uh, someone out of the top 10, you know, or the, you know, winning these things. It's a botcher, it's a cooey, it's a gushu, gushu. Is there any thought, Warren, that it's getting a little stale? The same guys winning all the time. Well, do other sports get stale because the same people win all the time? Because they do. The, the best players in any sport are going to be the ones at the top, not the guys that are still trying to get the, get their way up there. So, boy, it's pretty tough to win in tennis with uh, yeah. Federer, Nadal, exactly. and Djokovic. Right, right. <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm you know I'm asking is is it. But we hear this all the time, and that's always my point. Of, I, I don't understand this. Uh, in most sports, people want to watch the best players, the best teams play. Right. Uh, why would you want to watch the people that aren't the best uh, versus you know the ones they're trying to get there? Good on them. They've got to work their way up the ladder, but they'll all get there sooner or later if they're good enough and they persevere enough. We're much like golf. We have about a 20-year length of your career for for most part Mm -hmm. on occasion you see one there that slides in that probably wasn't part of that top group but of all the top guys in a tournament you can pretty much pick who's going to be in the in the top 10 right yeah the other thing i think we didn't talk about too though uh, warren and kevin that that audiences may be down is is the, the the coverage through the media and streaming and on your laptop and immediate results right away has got to have something to do with how easy and and how great how great the television experience is watching an event you know it's you know they got more and more cameras now watching a curling game you know like a an NFL game they got something like 90 cameras like 90 cameras the the broadcast I've watched this week it's fantastic it's fantastic. The coverage well, the is the commentators. The commentators. Yes, the commentators. You know, <laughs> what's her face there? She was really good, but uh, old what's his name wasn't so good. But am, am I, I? You know what I mean, Warren? Like it's so much to, to watch live events on television is a really good experience. Really good. It is, which is why you've got to develop the building so there's a reason to go there. There's got to be a reason to go there besides what's happening on the ice or or the field because the coverage is so good, and that's the challenge. Hmm. Very good, boys. Uh, time to wrap, uh, which we do each and every week. Uh, however, this wrap might be my favorite. Uh, so before we do this, uh, Kevin, uh, there was a listener who reached out to us, and this may be something. Warren said, you better not. I said, are you kidding me? I'm doing it for sure. Okay. Carrie, Carrie Zinkowicz sent us a, a very nice email uh, asking us to talk about the business side of curling at some point, and we will. We will one day, right? Uh, because that is a big side. However, we're going to read her email. Here it is. Carrie writes, I've always watched curling. And Kevin, you are always my favorite to watch. My son, who is now 24, when he was three or so, he was building blocks while I was watching curling. And his blocks fell over. And as that happened, the kid said, ah, f- <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Alec, my God, where did you hear that from? And he replied, from Kevin Martin on TV. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Is this a oh, true Oh, I've story seen you drop the F-bomb. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a few yeah. years later, I was walking him and his friend home from school. Carrie writes, I commented that I was going home because Kevin was playing. 
that afternoon. Alec's friend said, who's Kevin Martin? And Alec replied, you don't know who Kevin Martin is? He's a curler. He's even better than Glenn Howard. So there you go, okay? Thank you, Gary, for that. <laughs> Where did you learn such language? Uh, yeah, from the one and only. Oh, okay. That's funny. Uh, thanks for throwing me under the bus, Gary. Yeah, you're good. Uh, anyway, there we go. Another show. That's great. Send more emails like that. We love to read them, yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening, and thank you all to our sponsors. Uh, also, we want to thank Rod Paulson. His name comes up from time to time, and uh, but... He is uh, feverishly working on our Facebook and our Facebook group and our page. Uh, thank you, Rod, for doing all that and his company, In-House Strategies. Uh, also, email us if you want to uh, weigh in. Someone email and agree with me, would they, once? Uh, InsideCurling at gmail.com. That's InsideCurling at gmail.com. Thank you again to Jackpot City, Coyote, Hearing Life, and Goldline, who make all of this possible. And uh, stay tuned for our special shows, too, okay, that uh, we do from time to time. Warren, thank you very much. Uh, Kevin, uh, it's nice to have you. It's nice to have you back, okay? How long are you home for now there, big fella? Home uh, for about a week. Home for a week. And then actually, Jimmy, yeah, real fun. Uh, we're going to head to Boston um, next week to the Broomstones Curling Club to do a curling school there. And then head over to from there to Nova Scotia for the next slam. So yeah, not a lot of rest for the wicked, but really looking forward to going to uh, to Boston to do that school. I'll leave you all with a story, Kevin. Uh, this will give you an idea how old Hanson is. Okay, this is how old Hanson is. The last time he was in a lineup at the emergency room, the guy in front of him was waiting to be treated for a musket wound. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, that wasn't even funny. Yes. That's not that's pretty funny. Yeah. The guy had an arrow in his head. Okay, that's how that's how old Warren is. We'll talk to you later, everybody. Thanks to our two world curling hall of famers, Warren Anson and Kevin Martin. We do it each and every week right here on Inside Curling. Talk to you later, fellas. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim.